You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, the running public. This is the Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday. Go ahead, Racken. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big week, Kirk. It is a big, big week in the running public family. It's a big week for both of us, isn't it? It is, but not for the reason people would think. What reason would people think? Well, they think, oh, it's your birthday. You're so excited. Birthdays are huge. Kirk's is the 17th. Mine's the 20th. We're practically twins from another mother. It's true. But Kirk and I are both the type of person that if there were no other people around, we probably wouldn't know it was our birthday. Yeah, I really didn't even think about it. I woke up this morning. Today's my birthday. We're recording this on my birthday, but it'll come out the day after. But completely forgot until I got my first message, text message. Jess was still sleeping, so she didn't wake up and be like, happy birthday. She was just assed out on the bed still. So it was uh, it was my first message. I don't even remember who it was from, but yep, that's where we're at in life, I guess. So it's a big week because it's birthday week at the Running Public, but not because we care about birthdays. Exactly. We got, well, well we're, we're shakers and movers, Bracken. We don't just live life as wallflowers. We, we go out and attack it, don't we? Yeah. So it's a big week because of what birthdays mean for Kirk and I, and they mean big runs. They mean big workouts. They mean things that you normally wouldn't do to celebrate another year of life. And it's as good of an excuse as any, isn't it? It is. There are workouts that are, there's nothing else, no other reason to do them than they make you feel alive. Mm-hmm. And birthday week's the perfect time to do it. It is. I don't know why, like, I guess if you're listening to this podcast, you get it. But people ask, you know, leading up to your birthday, like, what are you going to do for your birthday? And then you tell them what you're going to do for your birthday. And they look at you like you're like clinically insane. Like, that's how you want to spend your birthday? You want to spend your birthday running to the point of misery, blisters, blood, and probably so fatigued you can't function the rest of the day? I'm like, God, that sounds really good. Yeah, that's exactly what I want. And I didn't used to get this either. Until? Until I did it for the first time. And I think there's something about aging. When you're in your teens and in your 20s, years mean nothing. But once you get into your 30s and years mean something, and you start to notice all the people around you starting to drop off. First drop off starts in high school when some people stop going out for sports because they want to work a job or they're in a relationship, but people are still active and young. And then in college, it happens when people turn to the party scene harder than you do or into the drug scene or into dropping out of college or just going into their job or whatever. And then post-college, you lose some people to marriage or to, to moving out of state or whatever. But then you get into your 30s and you start to notice that some of your friends look 10 years older than other of your friends or some of your friends can no longer like get around and and run and chase after their kids or can't join you for a weekend lifting session or anything like that so each year signifies one more year that you didn't fall off the wagon well and when you talk about getting into your late 30s i'll 38 today um the people who have still stuck around are the ones who have have gotten all over all those hurdles, the marriage, the post-collegiate job, life, kids, and they're still choosing to do this. And then you start to see the ones who have dedicated the majority of their life to endurance training start to fall off. The ones in their mid to late thirties and their early forties who throw in the towel and say, I'm done competing, or it's just too much, or injuries have taken me out. And those are the ones that are more serious. Those are the ones that your heart sinks for them a little bit. And that is like, that gives you a glimpse at your own mortality. And so- and so it makes it more like the older you get, the more impactful the birthday. Like, let's celebrate how capable physically I am by, you know, showing it off and, and putting yourself to the test. And that's, I think, the major thing. I don't know if this would appeal to me in my 20s, but it sure does now. And there's the part that people don't understand is the part that matters the most. And that is, why would you choose to do something like that on your birthday? And it's exactly it. It's a choice. When mm-hmm. you're in your teens or 20s, the coach tells you what to do. Yeah. When you're you're turning 38 today, you know, that's practically 40. That's the point when people do their midlife crisis thing. That's when they fall off and do whatever they're going to do. 
but you're choosing to remain part of the endurance life, the active fit, living your life to the max life. So it's a choice. You intentionally choose to be uncomfortable on your birthday because it, it, it says like, this is another year that I'm still, I'm still here. It's a celebration. It's a true way to celebrate your own body's capability. Bind and Madi. I just had a dyslexic moment there. Bind and Madi. <laughs> That's the first time in all our episodes. Um, yeah, it's a time to celebrate that. I have a phrase that I am dyslexic on unless I think about it 100% of the time. What is it? I'm going to think about it and I'm going to say it correctly. Coin toss. You want to say toy toss? I say toy toss every <laughs> single time. I started refing soccer when I was in probably eighth grade and I had to like quick blurt my way through it. Like, all right, come on, come together for the toy toss because I say toy toss and I didn't want the little kids to look at me like, this guy, this guy's not equipped <laughs> to be in charge of anything. Well, I forgot what words I just botched, but um, I guess that bind and Marty. <laughs> that doesn't. That's even harder to mess up. Yeah. Oh my bad. Thirty-eight bracken. Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. Yeah, cognitive decline. It's already setting in. <laughs> How old are you turning this week? So your birthday's on Thursday. Yeah, I'll be thirty-four. Thirty-four. Right. You got you got plenty of time. <laughs> plenty time. of time. But this also benefits, by the way. If you're on the running public training plan, uh, we're adding a little birthday spice to the the workouts this week because you, if we're celebrating, you're celebrating, people. So if you're not on the plan, well, you're just going to have to sit there and wonder what it is. But if you are on the plan, you got some special things coming your way this week. Yeah, and Tuesday we have, it's a speed session. Everything's uh, choose your own adventure this week. Mm-hmm. Kirk and I listed our two favorite speed sessions, our lifetime favorites, not the best speed work, just our most enjoyable, our favorite ones to do. Yeah. They're both 400 meter based interval workout, but they're very different in execution. So you have mine up there and you have Kirk's and you decide which one you're going to do. And then on Thursday, we have some of our favorite um, strength, functional, functional <laughs> strength testing metrics that you can test out on and heavy carries. And then on Saturday, we have what we do every year on our birthday is a choose your own adventure long run. Like longer than you ever go ever run. Yeah. Yeah, So you have three options for Saturday. One is just to go find an awesome mountain or segment, something on Strava and go try to hit your best time on it. Second option is just to uh, run your longest run of the year. Whatever your longest run is, beat it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the third option is to try to gain as much vertical feet, either on a treadmill or on a hill in a set amount of time. Usually we would do two plus hours, but we allowed them to choose minimum of 90 minutes. Minimum of 90 minutes. We ain't got no slackers on the program. No. Okay. Uh, of course, if you have a race coming up, the caveat would be we would nix that uh, that extra long run. But um, let's tell them then, okay? Let's tell them what are we, what are we doing to celebrate, Bracken? What are you doing and this, by the way, uh, you know, our intros, I've acknowledged this a number of times, get longer and longer, and that's fine. We have lots to update you on today, but um, this leads into our topic again today in some capacity. So what are you doing for your birthday, Bracken, to celebrate? I'm running around Lake Geneva for time. What is that exactly? Exactly. I want to say 21.27, 21 and a quarter miles, we'll call it. That's more miles than you've ran combined in the last two months. I hit a I hit a 17 mile week and I did 14 with you that one week. I know I'm being facetious, but so there you go. That, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not in shape for it. I'm not prepared for that, but I can do it, and I choose to do it. I I did it for the first time on my birthday in 2018. I was in a similar situation to this, but I was coming off a hamstring and inactivity. And my sister came out for my birthday when I was living in Lake Geneva and she's good friends with my wife. So she came out, she stayed over and that, that night it was like nine, 10 at night. We're sitting there on the couch, probably watching the office or something. And I said, I'm going to run around the lake tomorrow. Lisa said, you, you're not, you're not in shape for that. I said, I know that's why I got to do it. That's not the point of this being in shape for it. No. I said, that's why I got to do it. Cause I was in very bad shape. And so I went out that day and I... I just trudged the last 10 miles. It was so bad. It was warm. It was humid. My allergies were going off. And all those things matter a whole lot more when you're out of shape. (laughs) When you're in shape, you can absorb that. I was cramping. I was, you get done and I still had a half mile to get home from the end of the lake path because we don't live on the lake. Mm. So I just walked this walk of shame, just looking like this pathetic drowned rat trying to get home. It was terrible. I was a mess all day. And it was 
it was so good I did it again the next year. Okay, and what is your goal for this uh, on Thursday? My goal is to beat that first year's time. So not break your record on that, but break your first year's time. No, my record is, I don't know what my pace is. It's six mid probably for 21 miles on relatively technical and undulating terrain. Okay. And it's broken. The whole thing is broken rhythm running. You're running up and down staircases and hopping across logs at points, running across sand in some people's uh, yards. So it's it's not smooth running. But so uh, that year, my fastest is like 226, 228. And that year I went 309. Okay. <laughs> Just dying, running nine, 10 minute miles, trying to not cramp. So my goal is to beat that one because I'm in comparable fitness right now. No, you're in better fitness right now and you're going to beat that one. I will. Yeah. I like it. What about you? What, what are you doing? Well, I know what you're doing. Historically, you run your age. Well, I did last year, and that was COVID non-racing season. I ran 37 miles on my birthday, or close to. I think it was the day before my birthday. But um, And I was going to do that again this year, and I believe I'm capable of doing that, of course. Uh, but I happened to just look for any sort of race I could use instead. And it just so happens there's one of the most prestigious spring trail ultras in the Midwest happening Thursday through Sunday this week. So I'm running a 50K ultra on the Superior Hiking Trail up on the North Shore of Lake Superior. Technical, gritty, rocky, hilly, um, and good competition. So I'm, I'm just belaboring my, my run until Friday is when the race is. So that's my plan. The Superior Trail is the Midwest answer to the Appalachian Trail on the East yep. Coast. Yep. It, it doesn't have the vert, but it has the technicality. It's really rooty and really rocky. Yep. And it's full of and those beautiful. sort of 200 foot climbs up, down, up, down. You're rarely running flat. It's a time trial format again. It's the same organization that put on the race I ran like four to six weeks ago. Well done. They aren't changing their COVID protocol. Sounds like it's the last race they're going to run with this certain protocol. They just have too many working parts um, to change that now to put it to like a traditional race. But, um, you know, I time trial well. I do very well running alone and running hard. So uh, I think it actually plays to my advantage compared to my competition as far as that goes. So um, I'm going for it. I'm going to go try to win. I've never run an ultra. <laughs> <laughs> your, first, your first ultra, solo 31.1 miles. Yep. On technical terrain. Yep. Do they have aid stations? They got four, but only water. Only water. And the turnaround, it's an out and back of a drop station. Um, it sounds like I got to get the details on that. But I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take my waist. I, I have my, it's not going to be too hot. It's the North Shore. It's northern Minnesota. It's going to be 50 degrees at the start, maybe 60 by the end. I think what I'm just going to do is I'm going to wear my, my Nathan 16 ounce water belt. And I'll start with 16 in the pouch. And I'll have four times to fill it up very quick. They have some like foot pump hands-free station where you can literally just step on the pump and it's a big stream into your bottle. I'll lose maybe 10 seconds to stop there. And I think I'm just going to suck that up and do that. So that's my plan. What are you going to do for fuel? I'm doing uh, a mix of Maple Dude. Shout out to Maple Dude. Uh, I've been using their stuff on my runs lately and it sits really well. Okay. Uh, and then I'm also going to use Pro Bar Bolt Energy Chews. I'm going to alternate back and forth. Both do really well for me. So I'm going to stick to 100 cals every 30 minutes. I'm not doing anything, no liquid calories, no hard, like solid food. I'm just going to stick to that plan. And course record is 342.09 Bracken. And somebody's go out, run their first ultra, uh, race their first ultra, saying they got a course record in mind would be a fool, but I'm a fool. So I'm going to see if I can see if I can go out on pace, which is 709 pace on that terrain. Uh, it's going to be a challenge and at the turnaround. I'll either find out if that was a good or a bad idea and then we'll see what happens. It's all downhill from there. It's technically not all downhill from there, but no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of that? Well, I think that if I were coaching someone who was doing their first ultra, I would say be overly cautious the first half and then you can be overly fast the second half if you're doing well, but you're not the typical person I would coach. Yeah, and true. you got to have your teeth in it. You're going to sink them in and you're going to go from the start and it's a time trial. Go after it. Got to be invested early. Yep, that's that's how I feel about that. So we'll report back on that. So we'll have, what, 53 miles, 52 miles between the two of us this weekend? It'll be a good weekend. That's going to be a real good weekend. By this week, by Friday. Yeah, I'm hitting mine Thursday morning. There we go. So you'll have to kick this train off and give me good news. I have one last, we're going to leave the birthday thing alone. But I'm going to wear my Nathan belt as well. 
You will? Just one water bottle? One water bottle, and I'm going to fill it with uh, Tailwind, with just a dash of Performalite in there. Ooh, the real stuff? The real stuff. <laughs> Listen, when you're running a time trial, you don't have time to be exploding out of the wrong end. I want to explode <laughs> out of my shoes, not my shorts. That's wise man. You've learned those lessons, haven't you? All right. And I have one. This is a serious request. I have one. All I want for my birthday. And I think Bracken, you probably want this too. From you listeners, the running public. And I know I asked for this in a recent episode, but I'm going to ask one more time. Bracken, I looked at our ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. And I know there's other you know listening devices out there, platforms, but... We're at 344 ratings and or reviews, okay? 344. We see the downloads come in and we're up to like 3,000 downloads an episode. Let's just call it give or take. Um, That means a lot of people haven't gone and clicked on any of those stars yet. And what would make my birthday week would be by the end of the week if we could go from 344 to 400. That doesn't mean you need to even write anything. Just go click the star, whatever star you want. It just takes, that takes five seconds. So... I'm asking for that for my birthday from the running public is to get us to 400 on Apple Podcasts. And if you use another platform, throw something up there too. But that's it. I'm not going to ask for reviews for a long time after this. This is it. That's all I want from up there. What about you, Bracken? Uh, Shoes. Send shoes or gift cards. (laughs) What kind of shoes? What's your size? (laughs) No, yeah. that's. We don't need things. Kirk and I have enough things. What we want is long-term success for this podcast, for this company. Uh, Apple, in the at the end of the last quarter, they recalculated their podcast rankings, and we jumped from like between thirty eight and forty eight in the world to now we're sitting around seventeen. Mm-hmm. And it's because people are downloading and listening, and people are we have more reviews per listen than most of the most of the other podcasts in the top twenty. So it's because you guys are showing your support and long term. Like this is our, our, our goal is to keep this long term. So yeah, selfishly, what I want is for this thing to succeed. So get us to 400 this week and we'll call it even. 400 and we'll report back on the next training Tuesday. If that has happened, if you guys rose to the occasion or if we're going to be sobbing on our birthday weeks, I guess we'll find out. I'm going to cry a little bit on my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) What is this? What would be like the emotion behind the crying back? I think somewhere in the last five miles, I'm going to break down. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be just trudging along, chafing and, 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 and tearing up on the trail. Okay. So out of like misery, you'll be crying. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about Savage quick or do we want to get into our topic of the day? Just go into the topic. Why not? I think so. We babbled long enough. So I guess I'll kick it off. Um, Bracken and I spent time this weekend chatting on the phone about like what we were going to do because we knew we'd do big things for our birthdays. And then the topic came up of like, like just simply doing big things. Yeah. Doing big things. That's simple. Like, you know, we, we've we gotten a little out of the box recently with talking about pace-based workouts versus, let's say, heart rate-based workouts and, you know, burning the candle too hot and knowing you're going to blow up. That would be considered a big thing in a sense. But, but, but reframing your mind once in a while to go and do something that is memorable, go and do something that will stick in your body, be good for you, be uh, on so many levels, like a little bit life-changing, right? And and I think back to 2020 and my sole highlight is running 37 miles on my 37th birthday and putting those memories in the bank, whether there's a race on the docket that's going to force you to do that or not is really important. And so we want to talk about doing big things. Yeah. We've talked about 110 to 120% rule in training. We've talked about swinging the hammer hard if you're going to swing it, but they were all in the confines of intelligent training towards a physiological purpose towards a race purpose. This is kind of outside that. This is this is reaching for something big for the sake of doing something that scares you, for the sake of doing something that takes you outside of your comfort zone and that changes you as a person. You very rarely hear someone do something standard in their life that and come back and be like, man, I'll, I'll never be the same after doing that mundane <laughs> workout. <laughs> right, right. But you almost never hear of someone choosing an incredibly arduous, ridiculous physical task and coming back and being like, eh, it was fine, but I'm the same person I was. You always hear, I learned something about myself and I just will never be the same moving forward. Even if it's a small little difference, big, big things change who you are on several different levels. And that's what we're talking about today. Not intelligent workouts, 
running 37 miles for your 37th birthday. That's not intelligent. Going out and doing a 21 mile time trial for my birthday when I'm running eight to, th to 14 miles a week, that's not intelligent, but it changes who you are at some level. Well, it comes down to, to one word and it comes down to growth. That is the one word and the word is growth. And, and we talk about, you know, is there, you know, physiological studies to compromise running and does it work? And we're like, oh, we have no physiological, you know, placebo effect control group type studies on compromised running and if it works. And this would be one of those uncalculated things as well. Not only about growth, like personal growth, mental growth, physical growth, but like there could be side benefit to doing big things as well. Even though it's uncalculated, it doesn't mean it's not going to benefit you even in a physiological sense as well. So like you could, you could spin this one in any way you wanted to, but really it, be, it comes down to getting uncomfortable, doing something that scares you a little bit. And ultimately when we do those things, it, it facilitates growth in some level, whether it's new perspective, whether it's a new appreciation for what your body can or can't do. Uh, maybe opening the door to future endeavors because you didn't realize you could do this one thing and now suddenly your whole world opens up. How many of you out there went and ran your first half marathon or your first Spartan beast and it opened your eyes to what you were actually capable of doing? That's what we're talking about today. But the word really for me comes back to like growth and maybe secondarily like perspective. Yeah, and perspective is, is so key. We talked in that um, running to your goal page rather than your current ability about how mentally the limits we have in place are not always accurate. Mm -hmm. Well, when you talk about perception of what your endurance capability is, it's almost never accurate because how many of us have ever actually crumbled and been unable to take one more step? We stop well before that on training runs because it's not intelligent to go farther than that. But from time to time, those efforts are necessary in reframing what you are capable of as a person. And as soon as you have the one wall knocked down in front of you and you see what's behind it, it does change the way you approach life. It sounds cliche, but it does. When you discover I had probably twice as much as I thought I had in me, that carries over to every area of your life. Yeah, I agree. So, so what does that look like then? Uh, this is one of those episodes where we're not gonna, you're not going to be like probably taking notes on, I'm going to say, but we're just going to give you some ideas and, and food for thought. So what would be examples uh, of some things that we had toyed around? So, so this conversation also, when we were talking this weekend, Bracken and I were talking about, you were, I don't know if you want to share them or not, but your goals, Okay. And you were going to have like Bracken's best week ever. And in Bracken's best week ever, Bracken was going to do five different things in the same week that are uniquely Bracken, but very large and, and, and scary tasks. And it was going to be like Bracken's best week ever. And we were talking about Kirk's best week ever, right? What am I going to do if I had a week like that? And we're getting our brains going because we're talking big and grandeur. And so that's how this got started. So I guess you could even lead with an example like what you told me, if you're cool talking about it. And then we can get into some more traditional examples. Yeah. Yeah. And I do want to get to that one, but I kind of want to start with, with talking about our journey to this point. Okay. Because we, we have a running background, but we don't have a traditional endurance background. We were four minutes or less athletes. Mm -hmm. The first time I ever did a change my perspective workout, I was playing basketball at the YMCA in eighth grade. And I missed my ride home because I stayed for an extra game. And we have a very strict curfew policy in my family. Didn't want to mess with it. My parents will take away your next sporting competition. Easy. No second thoughts if you break family rules or school mm -hmm. rules. And so I was going to lose my next basketball game by being out too late playing basketball. And I was calling home and I didn't have any answer. My parents were out doing something. My sister was at home and she wasn't old enough to drive yet. And so... I thought that I didn't have an option. So I had shorts, a t-shirt and my basketball shoes. And I left the YMCA and I took off running to get home. <laughs> so to that point, my longest run was probably three miles. And this was probably six and a half miles from my house. Oh boy. So it was going to be twice as long as I'd ever run. And it was probably eight at night. I had to be home by nine and it was January. And you're in t-shirt and shorts? Probably 12 degrees out. Oh, yeah. 
So I'm running down this road with no lights on it and the snow is piled up on the side of the shoulder. So I only have about six inches of shoulder I can use and I'm feeling great. You know, I'm, I'm tired from playing basketball, but I'm, I'm wired. I have adrenaline going because I know there's a lot on the line and I'm embarking on something challenging. And about a half mile in, a car comes up and I don't know if they're being funny or if I startled them, but they swerved at me and I dove into the snow but 12 degree snow that's been sitting there in negative 10 degrees at night is no longer powdery snow. It's hard, yeah. It was just hard crusted over snow and I was in shorts and a t-shirt and it just sliced me up. (laughs) Oh boy. So I can't see it, but I can feel it. I know I'm bleeding and now I'm really cold because I just rolled in the snow and it took me probably 10 seconds to get my bearings back after impacting that. So now I got up and I just started running harder and I made it home. And somewhere along the way, it was no longer fun. And it was a half mile in (laughs) because it accelerated that process. I was hurt. I was bleeding. And I got really real. I mean, I basically jumped in the snow in shorts and Mm t-shirt at 12 degrees. And I was still six miles from my house. So I got home and it it felt like it took me hours. And in reality, it it was an hour run. You made it. Did you make it in time? I had to have, right? Nine minute pace would have got me home. I imagine your parents would have seen you come in five minutes late, cut up, and know what they did. To, you did to try yeah, to get they, home. In they time. just took me right upstairs, said, "Get in a warm shower," and yeah, yeah, they understand that kind of thing. But that was the first time I thought, okay, I knew I could run three or four miles. I just basically doubled that. I did it with no sleeves, no hat, no pants, no gloves in really cold, windy weather, and I took a dive into the ice a half mile. It just changed my thought on all right. If I was in a situation somewhere, I could run home from that. And that was the first time I felt that. And that was in eighth grade. Hmm. What was your first one? I went for my first 16 mile run between before my, uh, before my freshman year of college cross country. And I met up with a senior who went to Platteville, who happened to uh, be an alumni of my same high school. And, and he suggested we meet up for a long run. And I said, that sounds great. Summer training. I didn't know what long run meant to him because I didn't have that sort of time under my feet. I think I was running 15 to 20 miles a week at that point. And I went and did that in all one single run. And uh, yeah, we ran all the way to the cross country park in which we have our cross country meets. We did two loops of the cross country park or the course, and then we ran back home. Um, I think my longest run up to that point was 10 miles. Uh, And so... Um, in fact, I didn't even, it, it didn't even occur to me that I could run that far. That seemed like, uh, you know, obscene to me, but I remember that day. Uh, I, I don't think I, I quite suffered as much as you did on that six mile run. Cause I was somewhat conditioned, but it expanded my mind to possibilities. And then when we jumped into 14 mile long runs in cross country, it felt like, oh, I wasn't a dreadful situation at all, but my story is not quite as profound as yours. I was dragged along for a, lo- a true long run that I didn't understand what I was getting into. Yeah. But it changed your mind on what a long run could be. No. no I had this. I had the same one, same summer, going from senior year of high school into freshman year of college. The first day of practice down at Campbell University is a 16-mile long run to sort out who is in shape and who's not. Oh, and they just say, go pound it and do your thing? They, they just turn you loose, and they know that the pecking order is going to sort itself out. It always does. That first day of cross-country practice in college – for us, it was supposed to be an easy run because we uh, we we time trialed the next day. It still didn't matter. It turned into a race at the front yeah. always. So I did, I planned, uh, what, three weeks prior to that to do my, my longest run of the summer. And I decided I'd do a 16-mile route. If I could do it here, I know I can handle it. And again, my longest run was probably 10 or 12 at that point. And I did it on the day of my graduation party. And it was hot. And I didn't carry water. Didn't know a thing about hydration or fueling. Mm-hmm. And I started to really crumble. And it was a mess to get home. And I got home and I was delirious almost. And I realized, I think I could run a marathon. I just remember oh. thinking that I'm so, my face is just burning hot, bending over the sink, letting cold water. And I thought, if I had water stops and I ran another couple months before doing this, I think I could run a marathon. It was the first time in my life where I thought about having a distance goal. Because again, up until that point, I was four minutes or less and thinking, I wonder how fast I could do a mile. And that was the first day I thought, huh, I wonder how long I could go. I think the theme here is um, you're, you're never really ready or prepared for something big. 
and something that you haven't done before because you haven't done it before. Of course, you're not going to be ready or prepared. You've never been presented with that opportunity, right? So if you're sitting there listening to this being like, well, I could never run. I'm 45. I could never run 45 miles on my 45th birthday or whatever it is. Well, how do you know? How do you know that you cannot? How do you know? Because your mind tells you you can't? Well, that's trash. So give me another excuse. Obviously, this is all within the realm of like responsibility. Granted, you think you're not going to be, you know, sidelined because of something like this. But what it comes down to is it's it's doing something that you've never entertained doing because you've never been forced to do it. And that's what that's what we outlined. That's all we're outlining. And we're almost always wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, you get to that point in a workout when you think it's just not smart to go any longer. Or you get done with a race and you think, I just gave it all. There's nothing left. Well, I've told it before, but that Killington World Championship, Spartan World Championship in 2012, where I prepped for 26 weeks, I put together a 26-week training block in order to be ready for three hours of mountain racing, prepping in the Midwest on my little ski hill. And I dialed in everything so that I could bury myself for three hours. And my goal was I crash at three hours. I have three hours of fitness. And I got there and I crossed the finish line in 259 just worked out perfectly. And you, everyone knows that feeling of I emptied the tank and I'm done with the race. And this was a three hour race. Yep. And at that point, if someone asked you, what do you have left? What would you say? Nothing. And I did another lap. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was the day where Mike Morris came up and offered me to continue on and said I could still be in the prize money. And I did another lap. But you skipped burpees at one point. I did. Cheater. I did four hours and 40 more minutes of work. When I had thought running down the mountain, my hope was that I don't pass out or cramp up before I reach the bottom on lap one. I was burying it, trying to break away because I was in a pack of three people racing for third place. There's no money for fourth and there's no podium for fourth and it's my first world championship. So I was running with the fear of God in me, trying to break away and it worked and I just buried myself. And I found out I had four hours and 40 minutes of fitness left in me. And that when I got to that same stretch, my last mile was sub six. I cramped. I mean, I never cramped. I, I Interestingly, I never cramped that year, but I got delirious. I was slurring for a while, but when the end was sight in sight and we had like a 5% downhill, I ran like 552 the last mile. <clears throat> and so after burying myself for three hours, I found I had four hours and 40 more minutes in me and I broke six the last mile, which means I still had more in me. And I am not an endurance prodigy. Of all my athletic talents, staying power is not top five. Well, let's not sugarcoat that experience, though, because it was miserable. It was miserable. I was reduced to hiking almost every hill. I couldn't run much because there was no power left. I was tripping over roots. It was the kind of thing that in a training run, I would have stopped because I would have said, this isn't smart. Mm -hmm. And then another hour went by. In another hour and then it got worse and then suddenly it got better and I was running up the last part of the last ski hill and I was bombing down when I was picking my way down the previous ski hill and I realized wow like I have no concept I am not an endurance guy I'm a speed guy I have no concept of what I'm capable of but now it's like blinders are off I'll say yes to any endurance competition now rather than oh I couldn't do that yeah that's a that's a crazy story when you really think about it. It really is. I mean, bury yourself and you've got four to five more hours. That's a great reminder that we have so much waiting in the tank. And like you said, you haven't received the opportunity to learn that yet if you haven't done one of those things. It's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It is. And those opportunities aren't just going to be placed in front of you. You're going to have to choose them and seek them out. Maybe you're the exception when that opportunity was presented to you last minute, but typically it's not, and it's a choice. So I start, we started this before even getting into it was like, what are, what, are the, what are the things we're talking about? And first, like, let's preface this with the fact that if you have a race coming up within three weeks, not for you, for example, you're going to need at least three, wait, three weeks to recover from any big endeavor and actually have a chance of performing somewhat okay, preferably more. So you got to think about timing of something like that, in my opinion. Um, if you have a race coming up that you care about, and then the second thing is just, you know, in the, in the realm of being smart for injuries sake, you just have to make sure you know your body well enough to know that this is like a, a somewhat calculated or smart thing to do, whatever it is. But those are the only two exceptions. 
Otherwise, if you're listening to this, like you don't need a race to come. What if you're not racing till this fall? Or what if, you know, some of us are already hitting our training doldrums, right? Like it, we've been training hard. We're so excited. The season was starting in early and midwinter and everybody's training. And now we're settling in a little bit. Like we're settling in. Things can be a little mundane at times. And now, now we look for something to kind of rattle the cage a little bit. So, so now like, what does that look like? Well, we gave you the example of doing something longer or harder than you ever have. Uh, For my example, I've run further than 31 miles before. And in training, I do a lot of long runs, but I've never raced it. So for me, that's an entirely new endeavor. So that would be an example for me. So we have duration. Uh, What else would you give the people uh, that comes to your mind? You can try a different modality. Last year on my birthday, I was coming off of a meniscus surgery. I couldn't run. So... I did a one, my first 100 mile bike ride. Yeah. That was a, what, what does that mean to anyone? Nothing. It's a century ride. It means you did something long and arduous, but there's no real like social status that comes with that. I I don't have a ton of history on the bike other than when I was a child, mm-hmm. but I decided I'm going to try something. Can I sit in a saddle for a hundred miles? Can I pedal hard for a hundred miles? Because I was going to time trial it. I wasn't just going to complete it. And it was an entirely new experience and it was miserable at times. And it was awesome at times. And I got done thinking, I wonder if I could hit 200 in a day when prior to that day, I didn't know if I could hit hundred. So choosing a different modality, something new, a new competition, even if it's self-imposed like me, I just went out solo and rode hundred miles. You did the same thing last summer. My longest ride was hundred K 62 and a half. I bumped up 40 more miles than I ever had gone just on a whim. And guess what? body rose to the occasion. So did the mind. That's some breakthroughs happen. Yes, it is. So, okay. So you can pick a different modality. Um, I really like the format. Like, let's say you've always meant to go explore. I have the superior hiking trail, which has actually been on my to-do list and I'm going to race it, which is a wonderful opportunity. You say, I'm going to go put 12 hours on that trail today. I'm going to move my body for 12 hours and cover as much distance as I can. Or as we're prescribing on our running public training plan, I'm going to get as much vert as I possibly can in X amount of time. And this is a number I've never reached. I have no idea where my limits are going to be, but all I know is I'm going to go and I'm going to do something that I'll never forget. I'm going to do something where I want to quit, where it starts to suck, where I have to ask myself, why am I even doing this? And I think, I think that's where I always get to my place on anything big is I have the moment, like, why am I doing this? But that's when like you start searching. That's key. It has to be long enough to stop being fun and exciting at some point. Yes, that's exactly right. It can't just be one big, long, steady, mental, rah-rah, cheer fest. You have to hit the doldrums. You have to have a rock bottom in the middle of it in order to have the payoff of climbing out of that hole. It has to be long enough to get you to, like what Yancey said, where you don't want to approach the bar anymore. You don't even want to get back up on the bar because the thought of pulling yourself back up sounds really unenticing. You have to hit that point in order to have your breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're, if you're even thinking more outside the box, it could be anything from, I'm going to do a set of pull-ups every five minutes for the entire day and see how many I can get. If let's say you're injured and you're on the strength train, or you're going to do just something that sounds so stupid and outlandish that it's, it's going to make you question your own sanity and your own reality a little bit. And I know that like anytime I have done those things, all I know is it just opens up more boxes for me in the future. So um, those are just some first things that come to mind for me. We had that example that, that uh, running public um, listener, he's seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. You know, remember where I'm going with he's this? A, he's a basketball player. Is his name Bob? I think so. I'd have to look. Big Bob, we're going to call him. He decided he was going to walk for 24 hours. That's right. Am I combining stories? I, no, I think it's the same gentleman. The, the basketball, ex-pro basketball player who listens to the podcast and decided to cover as much ground on feet. It was 12 or 24 hours. I think it was 24. 24 hours. I hope I'm not combining the story of two people because either way, this guy was someone who was 300 plus pounds, at least 6'10", 7 feet tall, and was just going to walk for an entire 24 hours. And he picked our brain a few times about what we'd recommend or what we'd do. And and he just did it. And he said it got so bad at one point. Mm -hmm. So bad. But then he broke through and he finished. And that's, that's the, that's the type of thing. Is there any 24 hour walking competition? Does anyone else outside of his core group of probably family and us (laughs) care that he did it? Probably not, but it doesn't matter because 
you get to a point where you realize out here. And I realized it on the slopes of Killington that day. And I realized it in that snowbank that day there. In a shorter competition, you can do it for the limelight or for other people. And you might even start your long th- your long adventure thinking you're doing it for fame or fortune or other people. But at some point, there's only one reason to continue. And it's because you want to. It's because you decide to for yourself. And when he was at mile or hour 20 of walking, and it was dark, he was probably thinking, this is stupid. It is stupid. That's stupid. Yeah, it is stupid. But I'm going to do it because I'm going to do it. And Mm -hmm. that's that point you get to when you finally realize, like, screw everything else, I'm doing it. That's your breakthrough moment. Yes, that's exactly it. When do people... Like we got to have the conversation, like, when do you do this? When would it be smart to do this? For for example, you could use the racing calendar and say, I've only run a super before. Let's say you're a Spartan racer. I've only run a super. The ultra beast, I would never consider. I haven't even run a beast yet, let's say. Well, maybe you wrap up your year with something that's so asinine that you would never have imagined doing it before. So you could use schedule. You could go out of your way to find some sort of race or some sort of event near you that puts you way out of your comfort zone, way out of your comfort zone. So you could make it event-based. That's like, that's the one like timeline ways you could look for something like that. I chose to defer my long 38 mile run for a 31 mile trade-off race four days after my birthday. That's going to work, right? Um, So all I think is the lead up doesn't need to be great. Heck, you could pause this podcast right now and go start it. I don't care. But um, so there's no real bad time, I think is what I'm getting at unless you have a big race coming up that actually matters in the future. And if you're sitting there scratching your head, I don't have races on the calendar. I'm still uncertain of my schedule. And suddenly you're listening to this and the prospect of doing something scary excites you. Maybe don't put a race on the calendar. Maybe you schedule this one in for that day where you got kid coverage and you can get away and focus on you for a day. Those sort of things. When do you think is a good time to do this? Exactly then when you are aimless. When you're aimless or when it excites you or on the day you were supposed to have an event that got canceled... Uh, Gary and Dory Kirshner are two people that I work with. They listen to the podcast. They're out of mm-hmm. the, out of the East Coast. Flory Dory. Flory Dory. Love them both. If you ever want uh, fantastic knitting Zoom lessons, Dory's the one to contact on Instagram. Right. Master knitter. If I ever consider the craft, Dory, you're my girl. I don't think I ever would have said master knitter on a running podcast if I hadn't ever met Dory. <laughs> well, they had the New Jersey Beast that was obviously canceled. That was their big purpose of training all winter and spring was to prep for that. And Gary decided we're doing a simulation on that day either way. And what was it, Gary? Two hours and 40 minutes later, he was done and he did it all in his basement on his treadmill on his little monkey bar rig setup he's got in his basement and with a a box step for step ups and heavy carry. Two hours and 40 minutes of just pouring sweat alone in the basement. Dory was out of town. He just did it by himself because that was the day I, I, I signed up to do something hard and damn it, I'm doing something hard today. I love that. That was in April, right? Yeah. So there's just, there's no wrong time to do it other than before an important race. You don't do it within range of something that matters, but that's, I mean, we all know that. And here's the thing. If you're thinking like, oh, we got, I'm, I don't know how long I've been recording, but like, this isn't for me. Like, I don't need to do something like this or I'm, I'm, everything's going good. I'm fine. I'm going to tell you that you're wrong because you don't know any better. You don't have the right perspective. You're, 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 your own ignorance because you don't have never had the opportunity. Right. So like, and, and I never had either. So let's say you're the person, for example, who do I think is the target audience here? I think the target audience is the mentally weak in quotes person. The person who believes they can't oftentimes. The person who is so scared of failure or they're having training roadblocks. They're the person who's keeps walking into the wall. Well, you know what happens when you keep walking into the wall? Take the door. And maybe that door is something big, scary, and out of your comfort zone. So if you're one of those in the training doldrums right now, I'd say candidate number one, you're the one. Like the one, the last person who would think to do this is the person who needs this the most. So that would be person one. Candidate number two. I would say was the per- if you're listening and you feel like you're crushing everything, training's going well, everything's going well, you're firing on all cylinders. Well, frick, you're already shooting from the hip. Let's blast one off and do it. Let's use that momentum for for good. Do something exciting. Do something that is a snapshot memory in your mind forever. And I think the third candidate, the ones that the least likely but still likely are the ones in the middle. They're apathetic, complacent, comfortable, comfortable. Yep. But then you know where we're going to go with that. Fucking get uncomfortable then. 
you're happy with your little four mile route or from your house every day and your little 10 mile long run and life is good and do to do, I think your cage could be rattled a little bit too. So this is for everybody, the elite, the pro, the novice. I just, I've never done something like this and been like, dang, wish I didn't do that. I'm always better for it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with daily four mile runs and a 10 mile long run. No, no, of course. But you got to reframe your mentality from time to time. From time to time, you need to be flipped up and tossed around in the waves a little bit. And then yep. you get out and you're like, man, I am, I'm alive and I can do more than I thought. Yeah. And I feel like we couldn't be telling you this if we weren't doing it ourselves. But like, that's a, I was sitting here a little bit kind of like, what am I doing with this time period in my life where I have no races coming up for sure. Nothing excites me till West Virginia in August. I haven't run this far in a year, even close to it. I was sort of the the least likely candidate, the aimless one. Yes, I'm training with purpose. I'm not lacking motivation. Things are going well, but I was I'm sort of that one who's like dude to doing. You're cracking off all your workouts. You're hitting your big days. You're doing things fine, but to what end right now? To what end? I'm rattling my own cage. And you're doing the same damn thing. Yeah, probably worse, honestly, in comparison. If we're gonna ratio this thing out from what I've been doing to what I'm about to do, you're actually taking a bigger leap, I feel like, than I am. Listen, we're both gonna hurt you know your body is going to respond well. I have a bit more of a question mark, but at the end of the day, like pain's pain, long is long. It's all relative. It doesn't, it doesn't, I don't want people to feel shamed if their big day is a 10 mile walk. No, of course not. Big means big. It's just like, what is, what is hard? What is fast? It's whatever that is to you. Mm -hmm. Giant, a giant big day to you is bigger than anything you're currently doing. That's what it means. If you're currently walking 30 minutes a day, going out for a three hour walk around the local lake, that's a big day and you will be different because of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's perspective. I, I guess I could have been a little belittling with my four mile. No, no. I don't think so. But you're right. Perspective. It's all scalable to, to you. Yeah. Whatever that may be. So let's talk about the big week then. This is something Macaulay and I started talking about. We used to call it our ultimate man week. I like, I like Bracken's best week ever. Yeah, your best week or just the big week. And the, the concept behind this is you think of all the things that you are physically capable of doing that are like your highest peaks of your physicality and also that are very unique to you. And you try to create a week that is your ultimate week. All of my best physical qualities on display in one week that is like the, if I could define myself physically by the wide variety of things I could do, this is what I'm best at all done in one week. And in, in a perfect world, it would be something that would be hard for anyone else to replicate because it's just so uniquely you. So we talked about what were the things we'd like to do. And, and so we'd start thinking like, I want to be able to bench 300 pounds and break 420 in the same week. That'd be, that'd be a cool stat to have. 420 in the mile. Yeah. Oh, but what if we also dunked a basketball during that time? Well, that'd be cool. What if we won an ultra beast at the end of that week? Well, that'd be awesome. Or an ultra race. All right. What if we boxed also? What if we jumped in an amateur boxing competition that week? Okay. Suddenly you've got like five or six things that are all frightening and scary but would just be an incredible, and I hate this word, it's overused, but that would be an epic week proportionate to what a normal week would be like. And so then we started thinking about it. What would we do here? So we'd probably want to run the the uh, the mile and do the heavy lifting first early in the week. Well, well let's hold on. Let me just slow down for a sec. So tell me, you gave me like five bullet points yeah. of Bracken's best week ever. And what were those bullet points? I mean, you laid them out, but let's just keep it clean. So for my know. range of physicality, I would want to, to do run a fast short race and a fast long race. So for me, it'd be a mile and an ultra of some sort. And you wanted to run a mile under 420 and an ultra you would like to go and win in the same week. Yes. Okay. An ultra meaning 50K or more. 50K or longer. Yep. Could be an OCR race, doesn't have to be. Okay. I would like to bench 300 pounds that week as well. I'd like to hit the 1,000 pound club that week. Yep. Which is when you accumulate 1,000 pounds between your bench, your squat, and your deadlift. One rep max. Yes. I would like to um, win a fight. Like a like a boxing match. Boxing, yes. Why the boxing? Ah, because it's safer than MMA for an amateur. But like why boxing in general? Like what's the appeal to you? It's just such a visceral, like ancient humanity skill to have. At the end of the day, <laughs> this is an archaic view, but I feel like every man, 
should be able to defend his homestead. Hmm. Back in the day, if you were out on the frontier and someone came marauding through, it was survive or die. And I believe that combat sports are, are rooted deep in our ancestry. I believe that every man should be able to defend their homestead and they should be able to provide for their family. And I don't mean money-wise. Yeah. Yes. And I think that that concept of the man as provider is less relevant in this day and age. I think that you could apply that to woman as well, but I only have the perspective of a man. And as the man in my family, I want to be physically, emotionally, intellectually, and financially competent on all levels. And even though this probably will get looked down on, I believe that physical superiority and ability to handle yourself in a physical confrontation is an essential skill that every man should have. I'm not going to argue with that at all. Every woman should also be able to defend herself in a physical mm-hmm. confrontation. And that might even be more important in this day and age. But so that just rounds it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those are your five things. Speed, power, endurance, and self-sustainability. You certainly want to save the ultra for late in the week. I'll tell you, that might be your end cap. The, the hard decision is where do you box? Yeah. And... And then if, if you don't... Because if, if you come out of that worse for the wear, you're in trouble for the rest of your week. What if you don't hit your mile? Is the whole week a wash and you give up or do you do you continue on and set well, it's, I guess it's less about hitting a specific time and more about doing your absolute best in one week at all of the above. Mm-hmm. So maybe I bench 295 and I run 425. That's the absolute best I could ever do in that one week in that moment. And maybe next year I try it again. But like my one week... You see people like I have I have squatted 500 pounds, I've deadlifted 600 and I've run 430 in a mile, but they happen 10 week, 10 years apart. Mm-hmm. I want one week the composite of all your greatest skills in one week where you had access to all of it at once. This is what I'm doing. I'm deadlifting, squatting and be- I'm deadlifting and squatting on Monday. I'm boxing on Tuesday. I'm mile time trialing on Wednesday. I'm benching on Thursday. I'm shake out run Friday, ultra Saturday, wipe my hands clean. And I'll dunk a basketball in there for kicks. Okay. That's my, that'd be my schedule. That is not mine. I think I'm going to mile and um, bench and dunk on day one. Oh, I want to pause again for a second. I think people up to this point think we're talking in theory here. No, no, no. This is Macaulay and I have talked about this for six years and this will happen this year or next. Right. So this isn't theoretical. We're not dreaming here. Bracken's doing these things. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Just, I, I just feel like this might've been a little whimsical in conversation. So, but it's not. So I'm going to bookend my running one mile and ultra day one and day seven. Okay. And then I will bench and dunk on day one as well. Okay. Cause I can dunk on tired legs. In fact, I jump a little better for like five minutes on tired legs and then I run out of steam and then I might even take a day or two off and then I'll squat and deadlift and then I will box on the second to last day. And then I will um, run the ultra the next day. Logistics are going to be interesting there. They will. It'll be about finding all the things in one location. All right. Bragging's best week ever. It's not important to anyone, but it's an example of it doesn't have to be a a certified, well-known adventure to try. It's choosing something that means something to you and go after it. And everyone could have their own thing. Yours might include fishing. Someone else's might include artwork, like an incredible piece of art and an ultra on the same day. You know, some, it, it could be so non-related. It doesn't matter. But all the things you're physically capable of in one week, I like the idea of your best week. I know mine would be, you know, sub 15, 15 in the 5K. Um, if we're going to swing and we're going to do something scary, I'm going to say a 50K isn't enough. So I'm going to have to go 50 miler. Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, like a sub 240 marathon. Oh, I mean, yeah, I know I can run. I think I could run. I think if I put my shoes on right now and took some caffeine, I think I could go run sub 240. Okay. Um, but 15, 15, I don't believe I can right now. Um, and then uh, catch a five pound bass, which is going to be the hardest part of the whole thing. If any of you are fishermen, you live in the Midwest. There's not many of them out there. So I'm going to have to save at least two full days over the weekend to pursue that one. Would you start with that? And whenever you catch it, that starts your week? <laughs> you know, that's not a bad idea. I can start my week on whatever day I want, right? Yep. And listen, it's going to be Kirk's best week ever if I'm stuck fishing for an entire week straight to make that five-pound bass happen. So Kirk's best week ever is going to be a sweet week no matter what. Yeah. Guess I'll have to start with that, yeah. I, okay, we're tangenting a little bit, but you get the idea, folks, don't you think? I think I think you get the idea. 
I, I don't know if we've left many holes in this bracket. Have we left many holes in this conversation? Just the injury argument, which is you can get injured walking out the front door. You can get injured coming out of the shower, get injured driving every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have to be intelligent. Notice we're not doing our long runs on pavement. Yep. You know, we're going to mitigate our our chances for damage. But at the same time, there's a fine line between being smart and living in fear. And when you do this big day, you have to embrace the idea that, yeah, this can go wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, and if I get through it, I am that much more bulletproof because of it. Yeah. And I mean, if if that is a concern of yours and you need to pull the plug on something uh, because you're being smart, not weak, we will call it understandable. In fact, I've attempted a 50K once before for people who don't know. My only DNF in any race ever. I ran a 50K in 2019. I DNF'd at the halfway point as my foot stress fracture era with my sesamoid bone. That was a different one. And I pulled the plug. That was smart. I could have finished to the dismay of the rest of my season, but I was stayed healthy and I was able to run. So that's some caveats there. So this is actually my second crack at a 50K. Um, but I think I got a, across what I want to say. And that's just like, rattle your own cage, take your blinders off, do something that scares you. You're going to be better for it in multiple capacities than if you didn't. And you're going to find something out about yourself. It's not every day we learn something new about ourselves, especially the older you get, right? Our new experiences become fewer and further between, especially as you get older, as we've had so many of them up to this point. Change that. that change it. That's, what, that's just what I think. I don't know. Got to. I'm going to end with a story, Kirk. I like your stories. Could you figure out a way to get an analogy in here? This might be the first episode we've never had an analogy, Bracken. I don't think this is an analogy episode. It's not an analogy. I don't have episode. one for it. It's, you can't force an analogy. It's got to just, it's when it happens, it happens. It's like a first kiss. You know, I forced mine for sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out all right. I leaned left and I didn't mean to leave. It really threw me off. Oh, you didn't force the kiss upon them. No, but it wasn't planned out. Okay, gotcha. It wasn't planned out. Continue. Thank goodness. Well, this weekend I was watching uh, UFC, is it 262 was the card that was on? Great fight card. Up late watching it. And there's a guy named uh, Jacare Souza. Souza, depending on how you pronounce it. And he got his arm snapped in half in an arm bar to the point where it went rubber. It just snapped. And his face never grimaced. He never yelled. He just kind of like the guy jumped off him right away and he sat there with his arm next to him and like told the guy, it's okay. Don't worry about it. And was just calm faced. And I was wondering, like a lot of people were like, he must be in shock, but Mm -hmm. he went over and he talked to the other corner, talked to his trainers, his coach, congratulated him. Like he was, he was coherent. And then he walked down the steps and out to the ambulance. And his arm was snapped in half. And then the announcers told a story about him. And the story was that back in the day, he was a multi-time world jujitsu champion, which is grappling. And you either win based on point or you win based on submission. Your goal is to get your opponent to submit. And he had his arm snapped while he was winning a fight. And this is a gi uh, submission tournament. So you wear the traditional gi with the belt tied. He took his arm. He tucked it inside of his belt and he finished off the match and won on points. Jeez. And that is foolish, right? No. That's foolish. But what it did was it changed his perception of pain and what an emergency is. Because Mm -hmm. the second time it happened, he stood there with his face looking like you and I if we just plucked a sliver. Like, oh, that that stung a bit, but I'm going to be okay. And he walked himself to the ambulance and went to the hospital. Now, that is an extreme example, but he went through something that was so far beyond the realm of normalcy. And because he got through it, the next time something like that happened, he had perspective on it. You see other people that they have their first bad injury and they're just, they panic and they're in Mm -hmm. agony. And maybe they make it worse with all the stress that they release in their body. He was the calmest I've ever seen with a catastrophic injury, but it's because he had been there before. So I'm not drawing the comparison that you need to have something catastrophic happen injury-wise, but you need to do something that changes your perspective on what in the future you can handle. I like that story, Bracken. Thank you, Kirk. I enjoy story time with with Bracken. I enjoy talking. Yeah. (laughs) Good thing you have a podcast. Well, good. I'm happy to end on this note, but if anything, I just hope it gets your wheels turning. And I hope if you're in the training doldrums or you're lacking motivation or you're riding high right now, y'all have a reason to 
to go do something scary, something that'll change you. And tell us about it. Well, I would love to hear about it. Tell us what, better yet, tell us what you intend to do because then you have to. <laughs> yep. I had a 5K time trial two weeks ago. Kirk's message late at night to me was, uh, give me an accountability call if you need to. Yeah. And that that rings true. We do this as a profession and we're yeah. still calling each other to stay accountable. So put it out there, say what you're going to do and then go do it. And then we'll brag about you afterwards. Yeah. I like that. We'll brag on some highlight reels. Uh, what cool things you humans are doing and uh, birthday week wishes 400 uh, ratings or reviews or bust by next training Tuesday. Make my, make my birthday guys. Make it. That's all we want. And shoes. And, and shoes. <laughs> Thanks for listening folks. Thank you.